We are inside the teepee of Sets the Knife, a great warrior of the Mescalero Apache. He cups his chin in his hand and gazes uneasily at the lance hanging on the far wall of his lodge, adorned with feathers and three scalps. He remembers each of the Paiute warriors who fell to his knife. He can see their faces, painted, contorted, sweating, fearful. He wants to remember his strength, his fearlessness. No one among all the Apache has stronger medicine. No one is braver in battle. As his wife enters, sets the knife, drops his gaze to his hands, and listens for a moment to her stifled sobs, before asking, Is it done? She's slow to answer, and he turns to glare at her. Her hair is shorn, her skin badly scratched. Blood seeps through the torn sleeves of her deerskin tunic. Sets the knife, speaks to her firmly. Slenderreed, is it done? She nods grimly, but he's demanding. Everything? All her clothes burned? Her needles, her beads, her all, everything? The knives, woodenware, is everything destroyed? Once again, she nods, and sets the knife, seems satisfied. Now we will do ghost medicine. Slender Reed's heavy breathing builds to broken sobs. Sets the knife, speaks through clenched teeth. You mustn't grieve. If you grieve, I'll think of her and that I must not do. But Slender Reed can't stop sobbing and her husband demands, Wife, obey me. She draws a ladle of water from a skin bucket and drinks, then turns to her husband, composed. She only wanted you to respect her. She wasn't a good woman. She wanted respect, but gave none. Many times she told me to bring firewood, bring game. Many deer I set outside the door to her lodge. Rabbits, fish, corn. She always said it wasn't good. The deer had no meat. The fish was rotten. Weevils in the corn. You know it was so, and yet you say nothing. Slender Reed can't look at him as she speaks. You never should have entered her lodge. Never looked at her. Never spoken to her. Sets the knife, sighs, and says, Now we'll do ghost medicine. He carries a large basket of river sage to the hearth and dumps it on the ground. This is not much. We'll need a lot more, he says, then starts a fire of sweet grasses. When it's going strong, he layers the sage into the flames. It gives off dense smoke. Rubbing his brow, he speaks to Slender Reed without looking at her. And these clothes you've torn, put them in the fire. The next morning, Sets the Knife rises with first light and searches along the creek bed for more river sage to burn, but he finds that others have come before him to prepare their own ghost medicine. They've left only a few sprigs, and he worries it isn't enough to complete his medicine. He travels far from his lodge, but still finds little. At last, he must turn back with his small harvest of sage. He doesn't want to be alone in the desert at night. He doesn't want to think about the daughter of his wife's grandparents. It's nearly dark when he returns to his lodge. Slender Reed has made food for him, but he can't eat. His mind is uneasy. Slender Reed says nothing when she sees how little sage he's found, but he knows her thoughts. And he tells her he'll go again tomorrow to find more. He'll go again and again until he finds enough to get through these dangerous early days. He starts a fire of sweet grasses. When it's burning strong, he blocks the fire hole above the hearth 
and feeds the sage into the flames. The lodge quickly fills with smoke, burning their eyes, choking them. For a fleeting moment, hope flickers and sets the knife's heart. But then, the sage burns out. They sit quietly, breathing in the last wisps of smoke. At last, sets the knife speaks in a harrowed whisper. There's not enough smoke to keep her away. It's me, the Anthro Girl, bringing you, as promised, the second half of our episode on ghosts. Our mini-drama today imagines a mescalero Apache warrior, sets the knife, gripped by terror that his wife's mother has died with unresolved grievances against him. Traditional mescalero have a deep and profound fear of ghosts, especially of the recent dead. In fact, intense fear is the first sign that their cultural tools for dealing with the dead aren't working. The essence of Mescalero's strategy is to wipe out as quickly as possible all traces of their beloved dead. Burial in unmarked graves occurs within a day of death. Personal possessions are burned, broken, or buried. Clothing, tools, weapons, everything destroyed. Shelters burned and camps relocated. Even the deceased's name is dropped from conversation. These steps are needed because ghosts hold grudges. They return to avenge injuries, big or little, and so every precaution is taken to prevent them from finding their way back to the living. If these precautions fail, and the ghost succeeds in revealing itself to its victim, it's widely believed among the traditional mescalero that the victim will die in a matter of days. Darkness and silence settle over the lodge of Sets the Knife. Outside, an owl calls. The warrior rises slowly to his feet, frozen in place, listening. After a long moment, the owl calls again, sets the knife, hisses. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear her words? Taking up his lance, he races from the lodge. Shaking with fear, Slender Reed follows her husband. The land is bathed in moonlight, but sets the knife is nowhere to be seen. She calls to him, but there's no answer. She stands paralyzed with fear and uncertainty when an owl calls, and a piercing wail of terror rises from an oak grove. Slenderreed runs towards the sound. A great owl beats its wings, whooshing through the trees over her head. She sees sets the knife on his knees, propped up on his lance, moaning pitifully. I saw her. It was her, she said. I am walks alone. Why do you look on me? Slender Reed recoils at the sound of her mother's name. She hushes, sets the knife, and speaks shrilly, pulling at his arm. Come away from here! Come! Sets the knife's eyes are wide with anguish. He cries out in a strangled voice. I saw her! I saw her face! Many days pass. Sets the knife doesn't move from his sleeping mat. The night fills him with terror. He can't sleep. He speaks to the darkness as if it's stalking him. He eats only what Slender Reed can spoon into his mouth. His heart races, he shakes and weeps, growing weaker by the hour. A shaman comes to cure him of the ghost sickness. He rubs the sick man with ashes and grease, sings prayers, weaves medicine bones into his hair, but still sets the knife languishes. 
One night, he rises from his mat and calls to his wife to bring him water. She brings it, but he knocks it to the floor, then falls onto his sleeping mat and dies. Sets the knife is buried that same morning in an unmarked grave. All his possessions, his clothing, arrows, knives, the lance with three Paiute scalps, are destroyed. Slender Reed breaks and buries what can't be burned. All the rest, she heaps inside the lodge and sets on fire. She goes to live with her sister in another camp and tries to put all thoughts of Sets the Knife from her mind. But it gnaws at her that Sets the Knife died with anger towards her in his heart. And so, she burns River Sage. As our story suggests, owls are a harbinger of death and ghosts to the mescalero. When Sets the Knife sees the face of Walks Alone in the Owl, he knows it's because he violated a very serious taboo. He disrespected his mother-in-law by entering her lodge and looking at her, something an Apache son-in-law must never do. It's a cultural death sentence, one that Sets the Knife accepts. It takes hold of his mind as traumatic stress, and in time, his body withers away. Remember Chuko from last week's episode? Chuko and her patients accepted that angry ghosts cause sickness, and that the ghost can be identified and driven off, and the patient can recover. It was the same with Jembe and Birungi, our friends from the Lugbara village, who we also met last week. At first, they thought a malicious witch had made Jembe sick. Once they identified it was an angry ghost, they knew and used the appropriate cultural tools to cure him, in his case, sacrificing three chickens. This begs the question, why couldn't Sets the Knife appease the angry ghost of his mother-in-law? He knew the appropriate way to escape the vengeance of an angry ghost, but he was unable to find enough sage to burn to chase her away. People all over the world who believe in ghosts believe that they have real-world consequences. That's why they continue to believe in them. Sacrificing at the shrine of your deceased father, for example, is not some abstract recognition of the moral order. It is simply honoring your father. That's a good thing. And it's hard to imagine it would result in sickness or misfortune. Likewise, it's easy to imagine that dishonoring your father is a bad thing that won't end well. He may be dead, but he's still your father. The emotional bonds we form during life with people important to us survive after their deaths. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably don't believe in ghosts. Or not much, anyway. You may agree that emotional bonds survive death. But by and large, in our modern era, we view these matters scientifically. Ghosts and all the lore that surrounds them are vestiges of the past. A time when people had little understanding of the natural world and relied on primitive schemes of magic and fantasy to give them some control over their own destiny control over their health, the harvest or the hunt, over all the uncertainties of life. Still, we moderns do believe creepy things happen. There is something spine-tingling about walking past a cemetery at midnight, or investigating a strange sound in the attic, or an owl perched outside the bedroom window at dusk. That may be because we know something known by all people in all times. We share with the Kung, the Lugbara, the Mescalero, and all ghost-believing people everywhere the common knowledge 
the common mystery that no one gets out of here alive. And if they do come back, they come back dead. Thanks for listening. I'm Emily Pick, and I voice the Anthro Girl. Our anthropologist is S.B. Swenson, Ph.D., University of Virginia. This podcast was created and produced by me, Dr. Swenson, and our screenwriter, Edith Swenson. Check the show notes for a bibliography, and if you enjoyed our visit, tell your friends about us. <laughs>